If you have to use more traditional methods 100% of the time to acquire a new customer, it could be more challenging. It could mean that the marketing budget has to be a higher percentage of your revenue, right? If you can find a business where more than half of their customers, their new customers are coming as referrals from existing customers, guess what that means in terms of your marketing budget as a percentage of your revenue? Lower. Welcome to the I Fired My Boss Franchise Podcast. My name is Dan Claps, founder and CEO of Franchise Playbook, a franchisor platform where we create, own, and operate dynamic franchise brands in the mobile services space. And my life's goal is to help people just like you fire their boss and become a business owner. And I'm Christian Dadalak, top franchise consultant and co-founder of Real Franchising, a leading franchise consulting firm. And together, we're on a mission to help people fire their boss, hire themselves, and live the American dream through franchise ownership. If you're listening to this, we're now recording part two of our, you know, one episode here. We uh, we took a little recess between last week and this week, but we've got Jeff back here. Jeff Her. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Doing good, boys. Doing real good. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited because this is our first, you know, Joe Rogan puts out these like hour and a half, you know, podcasts. There's actually all kinds of studies that... um that that's the new way to do things is the long form. So you're going to be our first long form hour and a half podcast episode. I love being first to market on anything, man. You know me. That's a big part of like when we think about uh, when we think about brands and whatnot, being first to market, being first is just fun. So yes, if I can put another feather in my cap for being first with you guys, then I'm happy. I'm a happy camper. Well, that leads us to, you know, kind of our conversation that we want to pick up here, you know, I remember the time, you know, which by the way, to give people, um, you know, uh, a testimonial to what these guys do at Front Street, you know, Jeff and I have become good friends and I've been friends with Eric for a number of years. And Jeff, even though I am not like a client, he was willing to take the time to fly out and meet, you know, Voda, uh, the founder and his wife with me prior and help me kind of identify if I was on the right path. And, you know, I'll never forget you left and say, Hey man, like, First, first and only cleaning restoration. No one's done that. And, you know, yes. that was, that's one of the major drivers for people is that we do both services and no one does that. So sounds like obviously being the first to market is super important. But Jeff, could you maybe give our listeners an idea of what, you know, really makes a brand be positioned to be the next big opportunity, um, as well as first to the market, what other things they would want to look at? Yeah. So one of the things that I kind of talk about is, is, um, you know, in the, in the course of the last 15 to 20 years, we've, myself and my partners, we've, we've worked with over 40 different brands. We've awarded over 10,000 different franchise territories. At the end of the day, that's, that's probably somewhere around 4,000, 4,500 actual franchisees. Cause a lot of the franchisees buy multiple territories, some buy singles, some buy more. So four to 5,000 maybe franchisees. And one of the things that I always talk about is, is we have, we have really good data around as, as you, when you launch a brand and you're getting traction and you're starting to find out why people 
um, are interested in becoming a franchisee in that brand or what that avatar is, right? We talked previously on this podcast about, you know, when we were in the tax industry, we figured out the avatar, we figured out, we figured out a mode of communication to reach that avatar. And, and over time, we really knew why they came on board. Okay. But what's really interesting is, is if you kind of talk about, you know, when you, when you analyze like, okay, how many people, how many actual candidates do I have to talk to for one of them to turn into a franchisee? You know, the kind of some of the statistics around there is like, let's just call it one in 10. What, what I think is like really the most valuable data out there is not necessarily why somebody came on board because you're going to find out that pretty quickly. You're going to determine the avatar very quickly. You're going to start to see that there's a common thread amongst your franchisees, right? But what, what is really interesting data is why somebody actually goes through a process. They're super qualified. You want them to join the system. And for one reason or the, uh, uh, or the other, they, they say, no, I don't want to move forward. Over time, the data around why somebody doesn't buy in to the system, and we're talking about qualified people that you want, right? The data around why people decided not to move forward ends up being more valuable than why they moved forward, in my opinion, okay? And so where I'm going with all of this is at Front Street Equity Partners, when we are looking at particular brands and particular categories, and as we're getting to know the founder, and as we're getting under the hood, and we're diving deeper, that is the, one of the things that we always think about is, okay, why will somebody not move forward with this brand? Right? Because if we love it, and the founder loves us, and we're looking at putting together a deal to move forward and scale, we want to always be thinking about like, wh why won't the candidate move forward? And for us, a lot of times, it's because there is not a very clear positioning of that brand in the marketplace. And we, it's hard to find something like truly, truly like one of a kind unique. And I don't even know if that might, and if you found something like that, it might be even too niche to scale anyways, right? So like, Dan, with you, you clearly weren't the first person to come out and say, hey, we do cleaning right? As a franchise. And you certainly weren't the first person to come out and say, hey, we do restoration. But in terms of going to market with, hey, we are the first person, we are the first company that actually packaged these things together. And here's all the reasons why we did that. That is super unique, right? And so sometimes you can take existing things that are out there and you can make them better. What? Or you can put two things together or 10 things together. What's interesting about it, Jeff, is like, as I've learned as we've grown, is that I actually get because it's so in front of us, like something that seems like so crazy, like Uber does, I get a lot of pushback on that. What do you mean? You're, you're not the first and only cleaning. The and yes, there's some restoration businesses that if you like go to their house, if they come to your house and you beg them to clean your carpets, their car, you know, they'll do it. But no one markets and built a system around, we do floor cleaning and That's restoration. Right. And it, it was such a, first to market thing that seems so obvious that people actually push back on it. Right. You know, because it's, it seems so simple, but you're right. And, it, and it's powerful. It's been being the only to do that. So, um, and I could argue that to be the first at something, you know, um, sometimes has its challenges too, in the sense that sure. you're early and people, um, like I said, they push back on it because they've never seen it before. 
if you if you do come out with a brand that is that is really unique and you are kind of first to market, yes, you're going to invest a lot of time, money, and energy into creating that market around that brand. And you're going to spend a lot of time, money, and energy around educating the public. And to some extent, you know, when somebody does get out there first, you're always going to get your copycats. I mean, we've seen it in franchising. It's a, it's a part of what it is. Um, but what is really critical is, is that you have, a, you have something very defined around what makes you unique. One of the things that we always look at, and we've kind of put it up on the whiteboard, is we talk about points of differentiation versus like points of parity, right? So somebody, sometimes we'll talk to founders and we'll say, okay, so who are your competitors in the marketplace? And what is it that you do different? Like, how, how are you different? And where it gets a little frustrating sometimes is when they say, well, our service is better. That's, that's, that's very admirable. And, and it might even be true. But it's not, it's very difficult. That's a subjective term, right? We're faster, we're, we're, we're better. Um, if you have some defining pieces around that, maybe you have the highest net promoter score in your category. Um, maybe you have the most amount of five-star reviews per location in your category. That's definitely a way of showing that, hey, you have something that's, that's different and it maybe is better. But at the end of the day, like we, we like to find businesses where you really can have a proprietary process because maybe you have a you have proprietary equipment maybe you have proprietary products um, that you use for your service there has to be something out there that you can build and scale that you can own and protect and be the best in the world at dan we've talked about it right if you're going to do something why not why not you got to be aspirational and you 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 better want to say that like we're gonna be the we're gonna be the biggest we're gonna be the best we're gonna be the strongest bigger faster stronger than everybody else and that is really exciting and as a strategic investor as a strategic advisor those are the types of brands that we want to work with we want to work with brands that have something to, something that can be defined something that is objective something that is data driven around a process around equipment around product something that they can own something they can be the best in the world at. And we think we can bring a lot to the table to help that process along, but we got to get behind a strong founder as well. Strong founders are incredibly important. You have to see that they, we like to see what we call grit and grind. It's very important for us. Um, we love founders' stories. And in that story, we want, we love, we want to, we want to hear about how what the, what the journey has been. But as we're listening to that journey, as we're listening to them tell that story, it's very important for us to, to hear about the, the, the downside, the pitfalls, like the times they stubbed their toe on the business, the, 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 the will and the grit and the grind. I mean, Dan, when we heard the founder of, of, of Voda, like the, the original founder of the business, like his story was so compelling, so amazing. And that's, people want to be led right franchisees franchisors doing it together building something together but but people want guidance they want leadership and they want to know that somebody's been in the trenches before and has has built through that so that's another big thing that we look for and when you kind of take that and you have real points of differentiation and you have real brand positioning and you have a strong founder then we can sometimes sprinkle in a lot of the rest yeah. to really make it grow you know it 
It makes sense. And, you know, it's interesting, Jeff, because like when I think about the founder component, um, the grit to me, because you don't lose your grit, right? Like that doesn't go away. So then they're going to have the grit. Like Dragon has amazing grit at making things happen as a partner in in Voda. Uh, And then, you know, consistency, I think, is important as well. Like I, I remember I was looking at two companies and we talked about them. I was talking to two companies, one that was more restoration and one that was, you know, that's Voda. And then I started to look at the uh, the founder. I made a check. I remember making a pro and con list of the two founders. And one of the things I found was like just consistency. Like, and obviously, you know, I'm not saying because of this, but like, you know, one was like married with a family and like had a very consistent business. The numbers were the same every month and then every year, and the goals every year were the same. And I felt like, hey, you know what? This person's not going to call me up and say like, hey, where's my check? <laughs> you know, like. If we're going to right. make a commitment to a three-year plan and not take distributions for three years because we're looking at enterprise value, well, we got to stick to that, right? And and a lot of times that comes through consistency. Um, so like, there's a lot to that too, right? Because you got sounds like you got to find a combination of someone who's hungry and gritty, but they also can't be like trying to make you know a million bucks a year today. They got to be able to like sustain some time. You you know as much as I do, franchising is a long game. You don't make money usually right away that can't be the focus the focus first of all the focus of 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 what we're doing here and what you guys do is is you got to build a brand and if you focus on paying homage to the brand every decision that you make has to be for the benefit of the brand not for personal benefit um not for financial benefit it has to be to benefit the brand and if you do that consistently over time you will win and that's where you'll end up but it takes a lot, right? I mean, it's you can you start out with things like points of differentiation and positioning and brand and something unique. But at the end of the day, like <clears throat> there has to be other critical pieces of the business that can be scaled. And I'll give you some examples here. One of the other things that we dive into pretty deeply is is the labor component. Right. I think that it's pretty well known out there right now that labor is a challenge for a lot of businesses. And for some businesses, maybe it's a challenge for, for, for more for some and less for others. But certainly this is like the first time that I can kind of remember in terms of being in business where getting, getting the right quality people on the bus, you know, from a franchisee level, right? Being able to hire employees is, is more challenging now. Right. And so one of the things that we really look at when we're when we're analyzing the business is the labor component. What is the environment today in terms of acquiring great, great labor for my business? Because building a business, building a brand, it's a talent war, right? I have to have better talent than the next guy. My competitor, I gotta have better talent than my competitors, right? That's 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 how it works in sports. People with the best talent usually win right? It's a real critical component. So do I have a business that can attract the best talent in, in, in my industry, um, in my market, right? And if the answer to that is, is it's going to be really hard to find quality people or the existing business is seeing high churn, high turnover with employees, you have to assume that it's even going to be more difficult for franchisees. And so if you're in an industry where it's going to be difficult, um, on the labor component, then then what about the business? What about the brand to make it more attractive? 
right? What, what can make it stickier for people that are, that are, that are employed to, to outperform too, right? It's not like you just, you just want employees. You want employees that are going to move the needle with the business. How complicated is what the, what the, what your employees do at the unit level, right? And if it is, if it is complicated, then what's the process to make it easier for them, right? Cause that can, that can really stand out. If you have created, if you've created a component around this that makes it easier for the labor component to do their job, it's going to be easier to hire those people versus your competitors. Or it might be easier for you to recruit those people over from your competitors, right? And, and that's, that's what we want. We want, we want the best performers. We want them to perform at a high level. And so, and then the other thing too is, is that from a franchisee level, how difficult, how easy or difficult is it going to be to manage um, the amount of employees? You know, how many employees does the business need? You know, wh- what we see when we look at the brands that are kind of coming to market in, in, in the franchise landscape right now, a, a big thing of what, what these brands are, are, are getting out there in terms of with candidates is the simplicity of a labor model. It's, I'm, I'm telling you. And from a franchisor positioning, you have to be very clear when you're walking a candidate through the process or with actual franchisees, like how you're going to acquire the best talent. So talent is a big thing. Then in addition to the, to the human resources component, the other thing that we really dive into deeply is, is customer acquisition, right? And Dan, that's something that you and I have kind of talked about in the last 30 days too, is what do you have with your franchise company that makes it easier to acquire customers? A lot of the brands that we've built um, have been around health, wellness, fitness, beauty. Part of that was by design. I mean, that's probably half the brands that we've built over time have fit into those four categories. And that was by design because they had a viral nature to these businesses in terms of customer acquisition. When the, when the services that we were providing to the end user, the customer, helped them feel better and look better, if they walked into the business and walked out looking better and feeling better, guess what? They would share this with others. And so we like that viral nature around customer acquisition. Everybody talks about the most effective form of marketing with the highest closing ratio is word of mouth. Everybody knows that, right? Not a mystery. But does the business have the potential of word of mouth? Because if your business has a reoccurring customer, whether they're on subscription or they're on membership, we want to make sure that we've got an army of customers out there referring their friends and family to our business. It makes it easier to succeed. If you have to use more traditional methods 100% of the time to acquire a new customer, it could be more challenging. It could mean that the marketing budget has to be a higher percentage of your revenue, right? If you can find a business where more than half of their customers, their new customers are coming as referrals from existing customers, guess what that means in terms of your marketing budget as a percentage of your revenue? Lower. And in each category of expense, if it's lower, what does that mean? More margin, more profit, right? So 
we know how hard it is on the labor side. We know how hard it is on the customer acquisition side. So can we find brands and businesses and categories where, where it's easier to operate? And, and, and hopefully it's easier to operate because of something proprietary in nature, right? And so when you start to, I'll kind of round this out and then we can get more conversational here. When we talk about building brand, we talk about the strength of the founder, we talk about points of differentiation, real positioning, a very clear path around, around human resources, a very clear path around customer acquisition. When you start to put all that in the blender, that is, that, that's us. That's what we're looking for. And it's not like we can just check off four out of the five boxes or 45 out of the 50 boxes. We got to make sure it checks all those boxes so that we can go to work, launch, build, scale, exit. Makes sense. Well, one thing I wanted to add, what, what I found interesting about that was, right, obviously you want your customer acquisition cost to be low. And so correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like one big reason you guys at Front Street like health, wellness, beauty is because it almost has that Instagrammable nature to it where you can share with people and that adds to the virality of it. No? That's right. I mean, the other thing too that goes hand in hand with that is is we we like to read reviews. I mean, there's a lot of different platforms for reviews. You have Yelp, you have Google, you have Facebook, right? I mean, we want to, we want to, we don't, we want to make sure that there's a consistent message coming from the customers and their reviews about how attached they are to the service. I remember I remember um, launching a brand 10 years ago and it had a couple of big competitors. And one of the reasons why we decided to, to get involved was one, one of the competitors, like all the reviews that were left for this competitor, it was, it was pretty compelling. Like it told us a lot about the industry. Like these, they're paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs, right? Accompanied by a five-star thing. And we said, okay, if we can create real, a point of differentiation and real positioning, then we can harness the goodwill of this company to like rocket right past them. And we ended up doing that. So I talk, sometimes I talk about, you know, look, if you can sometimes going into a marketplace and, and having competitors is really good. You can leverage that, right? They've seeded the market. And if you actually have something that's very different and provides more value to the customer, you can win. And you can win just by le- leveraging them and rocketing past them as well. What I've learned with, Franchise wars, if you think about like the next big franchise in an industry or vertical, um, you know, I think the best ones, when you talk about customer acquisition, they flip the model on its head, or really they do what I think the best franchise do, which is I first got into Voda thinking I'm going to award franchises, and then I'm going to help them find customers. Okay. And what I've learned to switch our mindset around is no, let's be so obsessed with creating customers nationally in every market as much as we can yeah let's make it where the focus oh we need jeff come on please buy this territory because we we're losing business right so for example we're working on an entire you know regional accounts and building out you know business on the corporate side where it's like dude we need a franchisee in this market you please buy because we got people ready to buy. We got customers ready to use this. Now, of course, you're never going to replace local selling. You need to be out there locally selling as franchise. Otherwise, I would just open corporate stores. But like that to me is 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 the is what really makes a brand go supersonic, right? Is they 
they, they, they're like That's right. laser focused. Like you're a, one of your brands, um, a lot of your brands. I mean, you know, think about like the, the craze that like in, in the past with cycle, um, cycle bars, like the, you know, people love that workout. They want to do it in that market. There's no soul cycle in that market and they want it. And you guys took, uh, you guys took like a cycling class and said, Hey, this doesn't just belong in New York city and LA. This That's should right. be on every street corner in America. And the demand was there. That's right. You know? Yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. Like customer acquisition is key. If the phone's ringing off the hook, you're good. And the other thing too is it's like, look, everything can be relative. What I was talking about in terms of customer acquisition is you do have to have a metric around how much does it cost to acquire a customer and how much of that is a, as, is, is a percentage of the revenue, right? We're, we're talking to a brand right now. Um, that is a subscription based business where the average customer is spending $50,000 a year. This is a reoccurring customer that comes in multiple times a month and stays in perpetuity for years and years and years, right? So if I know that I've got a, I got a customer that's going to deliver $50,000 worth of revenue, I can spend $5,000 to get that customer. Right, because that's a one-time cost of five thousand dollars, and I'm getting fifty grand a year in perpetuity. And there's no reason for these people to ever get off the, to ever to ever really quit or churn. Now, if my if my average ticket is fifty bucks, I can't spend fifty dollars to get that customer if it's a one-time purchase, right? So it it is all relative, but you got to have the solution, whether you got a high ticket item or a low ticket item, of how can you acquire the customer? How can you retain the customer? How can you get that customer to refer other people to my business? Love it. Well, it was awesome to have you on, Jeff. One thing I wanted to say too that really stood out to me is I think a lot of people that think they need to create the new iPhone, right? But it's, and like you said, it's not just about the what that's being delivered, which I think Voda's done tremendously well, where they have the cleaning and the restoration combined. You can take two very common things, but the combination of it, makes it special. But it's not just the what, but it's also the how. Like how is the what delivered? And having a process for doing that that's different from the marketplace is the customer journey and that experience better than what's out there. So I think that that's tremendously valuable for our listeners to just understand that mindset there because you don't need... And and having competition, like you said, isn't necessarily bad because they've seeded the market, they've educated the local customers. So you don't have to carve out a whole new category. You just go in there and just bring it up a notch or 10,000 notches and you just deliver it better. And you can have a a winning business if you do it that way and a winning brand. So I thought that was tremendous. So Jeff, thanks so much for coming on, man. Dan, amazing to see you as always. Cheers. Um, Jeff, where could could our listeners learn more about you? Yeah. uh, I would direct them to anybody that's interested in learning more about who we are and what we do and our capabilities. You can go to Front Street. EP, like E is in Edward, P is in Paul.com, frontstreetep.com. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Jeff, for coming on. This was incredibly valuable for the audience, I'm sure, as well as for me and uh, everyone else. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and I hope you have a good rest of your day. Take care. Cheers. You're fired. If you want to say those words to your boss, 
Make sure you head on over to ifiredmybosspodcast.com and fill out the form to schedule a no-cost consultation. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend who might also want to fire their boss. 